Welcome to Take Me Away, the writing podcast where we explore the creative process. I'm Patrick. And I'm Matt. Last week we talked with Nathan Tolman about a lot about inspiration, uh, where you get your um, inspiration from, combining two different sources of inspiration, and then asking the question, what if? And uh, Matt, how did that go for you? It went really well. I put uh, my example up on the blog, so everyone go check that out, of just asking that what-if question, as well as also how to track inspiration. So I started like a Trello board, and we're just trying out those tools. So everyone, go do that. Sweet. And now, today is a special episode. We are talking with author Stephen Bowles that has a few books out with Disney. His main one, Dead in the Junkyard War, we got... We got to read beforehand, and I, I must say, like it, it pulled me in the very beginning. Yeah, no, it's very, very interesting, and it starts so fast, so good. Yeah, it, it's engaging. It's it's just an engaging story. So look for that. And then this interview is going to be a little bit longer than normal because we we're able to get a lot of great advice from Stephen as a published author, and it was very practical for all those who are working on their writing craft. Yes, and in the end. Of this episode, Stephen reveals something very exciting for all of you Brandon Sanderson fans. So stick around. Yeah, so thank you so much for having us in your home and being able to record and, and this is this is really exciting. Of course. Um, uh, so we kinda wanna get into um, your what got you serious about writing initially. And how long ago was that? Well, okay, so I've been writing probably I'd say maybe 15 years um so a long time yeah uh, i mean that's not including like little stuff i got i actually got into writing when i was in high school doing doing like poetry and short stories and stuff mm-hmm. but when i actually got serious doing uh longer material um i was probably about 21 and i decided i wanted to write a book and uh it was it was an interesting process and i think everybody gets really enchanted <laughs> no <with> small undertaking <laughs> i know i know <laughs> I know, but it's it's just kind of everybody's you know thing. Like they, everybody wants to write a book, a book. and yeah. yeah, and so it seems more of an adventure than this like daunting thing that's looming over me, and and that's how I treated that that first uh, iteration of that novel was, um, with with kind of excitement and adventure, and went into it not not even realizing that it would it would kind of progress any further. Uh, what what happened was was very different than what I expected. I, I kind of figured I would spend a year writing a novel and then I would publish it and mm-hmm. depending on how things went, uh, yeah, you know, pursue it or not pursue it, and that's. I feel like that's how everyone thinks. I think so, I think yeah. so too. I think yeah. so too. And on my part, it was huge, a huge amount of arrogance because I, you know, was a garbage <laughs> author writer, <laughs> knew nothing. I didn't know what I was doing. And uh, so I got, I got started with that. It, it did. It took me about a year, and that was kind of what I expected. Um, but I got to the end and I decided I'm going to sell this thing. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go out and I'm going to get, I, I researched into getting agents and publishers and stuff and I wanted to go big. So I wanted to get a big publisher and decided, um, to look for an agent because to get, to get a big, uh, a big publisher, you need a literary agent. And so yeah. I submitted to hundreds of agents trying to, uh, go through the query process of, of having somebody, nobody was interested. I mean, hundreds of rejections. And I thought, okay, I need to revamp this. I went through the whole process again and again and again. I rewrote that that monstrosity probably like three, four times. 
and it was it was the human your baby. It, it, well, <laughs> yes, yes, but like by the end, it was it was the baby I wanted to kill. Yeah, <laughs> I, oh, I, I hated it so much, <laughs> and and there's this there's this uh, crazy amount of um, frustration that comes with the process of trying to find agents, publishers, mm-hmm. and going through crazy amounts of rejection. It really drains your soul. And it's why I have a hard time initially trying to encourage people to be super serious writers because I'm like, you can do it. It's just, it's really hard. It's like pursuing any other career field. Like if you want to be an engineer or a doctor. And I didn't know that at the time. So my perspective was so limited on what it was going to take to become an author that when I found out what actually was required, it was that's when all of those daunting feelings started to, to take place. Um, and after having gone through several submission processes and getting rejected a ton, I needed to come to a conclusion of, well, this is either my thing or it's not. I'm, mm-hmm. either, gonna, I'm either gonna fight through this or I'm, I'm gonna pursue something else. Yeah. And I decided I wanted to give it my all. And so, um, I started fresh. I scrapped that novel, threw it in the trash can, started with a brand new novel, finished it, submitted it, hundreds of rejections. And at that point, that was kind of my second crisis where I'm like, I've done this twice. How many times is this going to take before I actually find any degree of success? But did you change your process at all? Or was it just kind of like, it was pretty let, similar. Me, let me start I, fresh? Looking, looking at my first half dozen novels from the from a quality perspective it was i i didn't realize how um how fast and how consistently i was growing as a writer mm-hmm. i thought they were pretty similar yeah. but then i would finish a novel and then look back and think wow i've come so far in just one book and making that uh recognition of of the, the, the growth that I experienced from novel to novel, I decided you write enough books, you're going to get really good. Yeah. And it just like something just kind of clicked in my mind. And at the time I was going to BYU and I, um, I heard that, uh, there was a, there was an author who, t- who taught a career writing class. It was Brandon Sanderson. I didn't know who he was. Um, but I thought if there's somebody that knows about writing, it's going to be an author who's already made it. So I decided to try to get into his class. I had senior registration priority, but didn't matter because apparently um, everybody wants to take this class. And so yeah, all the graduate right. students fill up in like half a second on registration day. And, and so I emailed him and I said, hey, I, you know, I'll sit on the floor, but I really want to know kind of what your process was. And, and he said, well, come the first day and see. And by this time I had written three novels. Mm-hmm. And I went, I went the first day. And, and three rejections, I assume. Was oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. like... <laughs> Ton, tons and tons of rejections. Yeah, it's just it's so disheartening. You um, know, over how many years from the first one? So I probably spent about three years total. No, probably about two, two and a half years on the first novel that I did, and that's mm-hmm. like multiple iterations of the same uh, story, same you know. And then I had written another book that took me a little less than a year, and then a third book, maybe took a little bit less of time than that. So I mean, I was invested. I was putting in. Yeah. I was putting in years. Uh, but I, I got to class and, and it was, 
it was this big science lecture hall and it was packed hundreds of people and I was like who is this guy and uh, he he said I have I have three open spots for anybody who's trying to add today and so I'm gonna take some papers and everybody everybody write your name on a piece of paper and then I'm gonna throw it in the air and grab three at random wow. oh, man. <laughs> and I'm like oh come on and he said but I want to give priority to serious authors first people who are really trying to make it is there anybody who's written five books and nobody raised their hand four books nobody raised their hand three books and I was the only one who raised my hand so I got a free slot Oh, nice. Oh, and, then nice. He, and then he randomly picked two others. <laughs> and that was a major turning point. Yeah, that would have been anxious, anxiety for me. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, no, it was like it was like crazy. Was like, but I had no idea who this Throw guy was. a piece of paper. <laughs> I know. But his first day when we went back to class, uh, he talked about his writing process and said, uh, if, if, if you've read Brandon Sanderson, you know his books are, are enormous. And he had written 12 books before he had found an agent. And Oof. And it, and that's before you find an agent. Then you have to go through yeah. the whole process again and try to find a publisher. And then he was not this immediate success. It was it was a slow burn for him. Uh, when he took over the Wheel of Time, that's when suddenly everything fell into place for him. But when he said that he had written 12 books, I thought to myself in that moment, if I'm serious, I'm going to write 12 books and get published. And I just I knew it. I knew yeah. that that's what it was going to take because he's done it and why are we any less than him? Like, we're all just creative guys who are trying to write stories and stuff. Yeah. I, yeah. Bet, I bet if we write 12 books, anybody here in this class could get published too. I, I had that belief just so strongly incorporated into my into my uh, perspective that, that I decided I wanted to really accelerate the process. So I ended up writing a book a month for about wow. six months. Oh, so that brought me to nine books, and then I had written a couple more after that, and then it was it was my it was my twelfth book that uh, that got wow. picked up by it was that was the Jed and the Junkyard War book that got picked up by Disney. Well, actually, no, um, that was my eleventh book. The twelfth book was the one that I sent out and got an agent for, and my agent looked through the portfolio of books that I had, and then she she chose to go with Jed as uh, as kind of like our yeah. debut. Yeah. And so that's why we that's why we went out with Jed, even though it was my eleventh book, and and uh, found found really great success with Disney, and, and that was really exciting. And, and it was it was so it was so interesting. Along the whole process, I kept thinking to myself, well, if I ever you know if I found an agent, if I found a publisher, I would be so much more inclined to write. But that inclination to write doesn't suddenly um, come into come yeah. into your life just because you have people asking for. You yeah, know, it like manifest itself. It's true. Of yeah, it seems really like it's true. more useful before, like magic number twelve. That's a crazy amount of writing. I know. Before, I'll start, yeah, I'll start working out when I get a right. girl, when I get a girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a, just a really I'll get that's, in shape that's when a I get really on TV. good way to look at it. Yeah. <laughs> Once, yeah, yep. That that kind of reverse idea, and I'll learn a language when I get in the country. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. And that's when I'll just pick it up right away. Yeah. No problems. <laughs> and that's how it was for me. And I just, I, I had developed strong writing habits before I became publishing. What was, what was very interesting is I thought my writing habits would change dramatically and I would just devote everything to it. And, and I mean, I was already devoting a lot to it, but yeah, my habits didn't change. They inflated for about a month when I was like super elated after we had gotten the deal. Mm-hmm. But after that, they went back to exactly what they were before. Yeah, that's that's interesting because it's like 
one, you saw that it's possible mm-hmm. and that there's steps that you can take and then it happens. I think that's so fascinating because when you can see, I feel like when it, it, things are opaque and vague, it's hard to walk through and you're just fumbling around. And... Well, and that's the thing is like most people that I've interacted with that are starting out in writing see writing as a career that is, like you said, it's like this big giant, you're walking around this big giant field of fog and, and, and you're looking for something and you don't know, you have no direction. And the thing is, is there are very, um, very clear, direct paths that you can take to become successful in writing where people think it's usually just kind of this innate, magical um, nebulous something. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. you have be, a muse or a genius. Exactly, it's, it's which like, muses, that's, I mean, it's just garbage. Like, it's, yeah. it's all garbage. It's, it's, I, I talk to a lot of people about the similarity between writing and going to a medical profession. Because I've had, I've had friends go through the whole uh, doctor route and it's grueling. And, uh, I mean, it's similar. If you're going to, if you're going to be something awesome like a doctor, you got to put in a lot of effort. And yeah, yeah. similarly, if you want to fulfill your dreams in writing, you've got to put in a lot of effort. It's similar to what a doctor had to put into, you know, their career path. Well, I think that's the hard part is a doctor is like a well-worn path. And you see people, you see mm-hmm. the steps. The steps are like, you pay for the steps. Yeah. Each step. So you see it happening. But with like an author, it's a little bit more, I guess, elusive. And I think it's also hard to choose kind of like it sounds like you did before you're writing professionally to essentially say, I'm going to write professionally mm-hmm. and like kind of like have those habits because someone who's like going to be a doctor kind of is like, I know I can do that if I yeah. take these steps. But as a writer, I feel like it's scary to like, even if you take those steps to have that confidence, like it will pay off by book 12, you know, after this amount of time. Because it's just a little bit more unsure, it seems. Absolutely. And there's nothing wrong with, with saying... With, with saying, I want to just dabble in writing and I want to create fun stories just for me and that's totally fine. And I don't want to disparage anybody, or discourage anybody from uh, pursuing uh, a path in writing that is more of a self-fulfillment objective rather than a publishing objective. Um, but there is a very clear path if you want a publishing objective and it, it requires different things and it requires you to reevaluate your perspective on that and, and, it, and it really was for me it was it was a big turning point um is this going to be about me or is this going to be about um my career and yeah. i had to make that decision and kind of jump all in yeah so you mentioned you mentioned kind of uh the habits you fell back on mm-hmm. what you thought that you know uh, uh if you had a publisher or whatever magically you would you'd want to write more or write or your habits would change um but you said that your habits stay the same and kind of, can you talk on that is like, what are your, what is your, um, writing habits, your practical day to day kind of as right now as a yeah. professional writer. <clears throat> so, uh, I'm going to talk a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about your, your first, um, kind of direction with that question, which was my old habits. I was a, I was a really big binge writer. Um, and particularly when I got into the whole writing a book a month type thing, I would binge write these these huge chunks of material. Mm-hmm. And then I'd be done with the book. And I'd, um, I mean, once I got done with those six books, I didn't write for probably six months. And I got in this habit of, even after that, of binge writing these big chunks of material and then just not writing for a month. 
binge riding, not riding for a month. Mm-hmm. And I think that was really dangerous for um, trying to set up a situation in which I could consistently produce material for a career basis style, yeah. uh, you know, format. Um, ultimately, I realized I had to, had to change how I operated as a writer. Mm-hmm. And my current habits uh, are, you know, I still, I still am working. Like, it's still a struggle. I, I'm not going to lie. Like, even after all this time, to maintain a very consistent, I'm going to do X words per day is still hard. Yeah. Um, but for me, I firmly believe, and I'll, I'll say this, I'll say this all day long, that if, if you can learn consistency in writing, you can become a career author. I mean, I believe that the most important element, sure, there, there's, there's, you know, people analyze talent and creativity and all this kind of stuff and skill level. I got it. But yeah. Ultimately, I truly believe that consistency in writing is is the most important thing that people can do to become not only really good and really publishable, but actually produce enough content to make a career out of. So for me, um, I uh, since I work at home, I wake up, get my girls ready for school, send them off, I eat breakfast, and then I go take a shower. And the shower for me, I know it sounds crazy, but the shower for me is really key mm-hmm. to the habits. Um, there's it's cleansing well it's so it's it's what I do in the shower I decide on one line I think of a scene in in the project that I'm working on mm-hmm. and I think of one line that I can get really excited about I try to take a long shower because I want it to be a good line that I can be excited about when I get out of the shower to immediately throw some clothes on and then go write that one line nice and that catalyst creates the habit of I'm done with my shower, I have my line, I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking about my project, I go, I write that line, and it's never that one line. I suddenly write everything I need to write for the day. And my objective, long term, um, is to consistently write 2,000 words a day. And people write at different speeds, but when you're starting out, you're usually around the two to 400 range. When you get when you get going, you're the you know five to 600 words an hour range. I'm um, mm-hmm. sorry, that was per hour. Yeah, two to two to four hundred words an hour, five to six hundred words an hour, and then we get really good, where where writing is comfortable and the um, the the words themselves are no longer an obstacle, and you just need to spend the time. You're looking mm-hmm. more like eight nine hundred words an hour, so it's not that terribly long. You're looking at two three hours a day writing. I mean, it it, it takes a long time to get to the point where you can do two three hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. of course. But if you're spending two three hours a day writing you're eventually going to get to the point where 2,000 words a day is, that's a serious amount of material. For for people who don't know, um, most middle grade books are around 50,000 to 60,000. Young adult books are about 75,000. And adult books are, uh, you know, 90,000 words. So if you're if you're somewhere in between 60,000 and 90,000 words, let's just say 80,000, and you're writing 2,000 words a day, depending on whether or not you work weekends, that's it's 40 days and you've got a book. And, oh, yeah. and that's oh, yeah. not a lot of demand on your time. Yeah. If you're cutting it in half because you only want to write an hour a day, I mean, you're looking at like three months. You can have a tangible product, a product, yeah, product yeah. like in your hands, a book right there that you're done. And, and then you can scrap it and start again and scrap it and start <laughs> again. And, and like by 12 books in, that, that would take you how many years? You know, like a few years. And then you would have already had those books. I wish, I wish I would have 
understood that so much more when I was getting started. Because if I had, I could have established those habits early, done my one to 2,000 words a day, and gotten material out. I, mean, I would have been leagues ahead of where I am right now. Yeah. The, the way I kind of have to chuckle because the way you described it was like my mind when I'm when my mind is trying to procrastinate. It's like, <laughs> you've got this paper to write. You only need, I don't know, you need five days to work an hour a day on that paper. Well, then you can squish that to like two hours in three days. <laughs> and then you can squish that into like 10 hours in one day. Yeah. yeah. And you got yeah. your paper. <laughs> but as I get what you're saying. It's, it's the opposite of that. Building a consistent habit, um, which is which is challenging. I can't remember which writer said this, um, but he said a career is built on 500 words a day. And, and I love that quote. Nice. And I, I completely support it. And 500 words is nothing. Anybody can write 500 words a day. I mean, it's, especially if you're not focused on making it perfect, you just get your garbage mm-hmm. words out, and then in a few months it's not quite as garbage, and then it just progresses from there. But like anybody can. <laughs> it's so true. Your garbage <laughs> words. No, me, no me, my, my garbage words still. It's my garbage grammar. That's my problem. In fact, in fact. I've got really good words, but they just like all over. Yeah, it's yes, a mess. And, and, and I actually think that the, that the quote was, um, a career is built on five or uh, 500 um crappy words a day or, or um, garbage words. I think there was probably more profanity in there. But, like, um, it was essentially not saying you're writing amazing stuff. You're not writing Hemingway. You're just yeah, yeah, getting in just there. 500 yeah, words. Just not getting, 500 just not 500 polished. Yeah, it was, like, 500, like, words, yeah. 500 okay words or something like that. It was just you get in there and you get this habit, and that's where, that's where a career is built, honestly. Sweet. Well, so speaking of careers, um, Matt, Matt had an interesting question. We were able to read uh, mostly just the introduction of Jed in the Junkyard, which which I was, uh, I'll admit, I was kind of surprised at how quickly I got engaged in the book. So Same. Cool. Yeah. I, I was reading it, and then and then I, I would stop to do something else, and then my, my mind was like, it was just finished. There's only like two chapters in this intro first. So I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, and so, you told me, like, it's a really quick read for like what we were trying to read. And then I sat down and did it. I was like, I want to read more. I yeah. was like, that was fast. And like, the story's just starting. But one thing that we had talked about and that I really liked and wanted to ask you about was within um, this story, as you're talking about Jed, just kind of a normal everyday 11 year old boy turning 12, there's like, we really see his world of just like his normal life in the beginning. But then we also know that he's going to go into like this kind of more fantastical junkyard world. And so how do you kind of find a pairing of like the normal everyday world, but then making it fantastic and kind of getting more into the fantasy of it? Yeah, that, that allows enough for the readers to be excited without alienating. So I like the word alienating because oftentimes <clears throat> I think some, some of the reason people don't get into certain fantasy books is because they feel a little bit alienated like... It's a high learning curve to just jump into this new fantasy book, particularly ones that are start with a lot of backstory and world building. Yeah, and yeah. I've been bombarded before where yeah. I just like felt overwhelmed and I, I didn't know what was going on for like 300 pages. Mm-hmm. A, that was a Sanderson book. It's true. The Way it's of true. Kings. That, <laughs> I, that guy but, is long it was, it. it was worth it. <laughs> I already knew it was worth it, but, so I kept going. Now, now I'm going to make a case for Sanderson because he 
he has already proven himself to have payoffs, and so people exactly. approach. So I already they approach the book from a different perspective. They they trust the learning curve, but coming in as a new author, people aren't going to trust that learning curve. They're going to be, if anything, skeptical on long-winded introductions. And so for me with Jed, um, it's it's about a it's about a boy searching for his kidnapped parents in a world that's made completely out of junk. And so he he starts in in our world and ends up transitioning to this. Uh, really fantastical world where everything's kind of um, garbage. Yeah, garbage and <laughs> junk and, and the houses and the, and the flying ships. It's all made from just different random parts. And um, he, it, it's it's a very different world where uh, it required kind of a lot of uh, um, exploration in that in that sense of creativity. But I found that. Not only did I want to ground my readers in something a little bit more tangible that they could understand, but I wanted to ground myself. I, I found that I was looking for the connective tissues that I have experienced that uh, that I experienced from a day to day life in my own um, world, and yeah. and mm-hmm. I wanted to see them translate into his world. So for Jed, it was really kind of a a simple way to ground the reader by taking things. Uh, every, everyday things that people know and understand and using them in the fantasy world. So because everything's built from junk, you have um, they they cook their dinner in a bathtub. They, um, you know, the, the cannon lids are, are frying pans, yeah. but they don't call them frying pans. And we understand them as frying pans. And we see things through a person's perspective who experienced the world uh, previously through, through our eyes, you know, sees bathtubs and frying pans. And then you have the people in the junk world that call them different things, but the the interesting thing that happens is is we naturally and organically become connected to this world because we see the connective tissues that 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 are present in both worlds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's I, like you it's like you prime it's like you prime the new context with some context that's already familiar. Yeah, absolutely. Instead of just like getting pushed in as the reader to a whole new world. There's yeah. those pieces that you can grab and understand. Thanks, thanks Jasmine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a whole new world. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And I and I think I think honestly that's that's one of the reasons why the Harry Potter books were so successful because we see a world in their world that is so similar to ours. It's just cooler. And so everybody yeah, just getting ready wants, for school. Yeah. Buying school supplies. Buying okay, that is such a good example. Yeah. They made buying buying school supplies so exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. The smell like, of pencils yeah. will never be the same. I know. I know. And so you just want your world, but a little bit cooler. And that's that's oftentimes what fantasy helps bring us. Yeah, I think it's that, that kind of barrier to entry so you can immerse yourself in the world. Like with Jed in the junkyard, the barrier to entry was really small, and I already felt myself being primed for some really exciting things, especially with your hook in the beginning. And that, that was a question I had too: is like, um, I don't know how to phrase it, but just like how you think about your hook, because I feel like authors now you need to have that first, sure. the very first introduction to the book needs to be some exciting hook chapter. Yeah, you know. So hooks are kind of tricky. You do need, especially as a new author, when people don't know or trust your writing yet, you need something that grabs their attention and pulls them into the writing. Uh, but for me, when I wrote Jed, and and even even currently when I write all my books, I don't write that really compelling intro until usually halfway through the book. Mm-hmm. Um, I ground myself. I get I get kind of my opening chapters done. I jump into something really exciting. 
And then I kind of figure out how I can trim enough material in the beginning to get the readers to that exciting part as fast as possible. Mm -hmm. uh, because people want to see action. People want to see something happening. People want to see characters they care about. And so I, I kind of take those different elements, something happening, characters they care about, and and think to myself, how quickly can I do that? Can I do that in one sentence? Can I do that in one paragraph? Um, but too frequently, um, writers that are starting out put way too much pressure on the opening hook and the opening chapters. My suggestion, if you're a new writer and you haven't completed um, multiple books, just get content out there. Don't mm -hmm. worry about intros. Don't worry about trying to write compelling um, hooks. Just get content out there. It takes multiple iterations of of that that writing process to become um, comfortable with with the words. I, I mentioned earlier um, in our discussion that, that the words were no longer getting in the way. That's why my word count went up. And when you're getting started, that's the only thing you can see is the words are getting in the way. It's it's difficult yeah, to get through yeah. a chapter. You'll get to the point where writing is so comfortable that, that that's not the issue. Like actually getting that consistency and sitting down and not watching TV, that's the issue. But yeah. you feel comfortable enough, just like a doctor would after doing a thousand surgeries, gets in the body and he knows what he's doing. It's it's that's not an issue. And your objective isn't to do if and I, I do this all the time. I relate writing to to surgery and, and, and you know, doctor work and stuff because there's so many cool metaphors. But I, I'm relating it to like becoming a ninja master in my mind right now. <laughs> okay, okay. I think Bruce I think yeah, Bruce Lee yeah. would... <laughs> They're not gonna like throw you against Bruce Lee yeah. starting out and expect you to have any kind of success. Similarly, you're not trying to do the best surgery you can because this is your first surgery. No, you're like you're you know, you're doing this on a, on a corpse. So look at your book. This is, this, this is really bad to say, but I, I, I promise it's important. Look at your first book as a corpse that's never going to come alive. Because yeah. first books are meant to be a good learning experience. They're not meant to be, you know. For the majority of people. There are some yeah. savants out there that, you know. Sure, sure. But my guess is that they've done, I, I've done research into, into a lot of this, that people who are highly successful in their first book, um, they either had extensive journals. We're talking like beautiful decade-long journals mm -hmm. where they were learning how to write in a different way. Or um, I do a lot of uh, coaching and, and teaching writers and in, in, um, more personalized. I, I critique their chapters and stuff like that. And I come across people, and I can usually guess how long they've been writing within, um, you know, about a few paragraphs. And um, I came across one, and I thought, well, she's, she's written a few books. And come, come to find out, it was her first book. But... She it was a book blogger, and she ended up um, getting successful enough to where she was doing a book a day, a review wow. on a book every single day. Wow. And like, this this woman knew literature. And yeah. so she knew, like, when she was writing, it was so much more comfortable. Again, it's just exposure, exposure, exposure. Get yeah. words, read books, yeah. and, and that's, that's, that's what you need more than anything else. Work hard. Yeah. You lazy bums. <laughs> All you lazy bums out there. Oh, man. You, <laughs> I think so. Uh, man, it's, a, it's been a really good conversation. And I, I, I could just keep on talking because I've got... Or asking questions. Yeah. You just keep on asking yeah. questions. But um, I think, though, uh, I want to ask you because you mentioned you've mentioned to me earlier. So I just want to ask for our listeners too: is uh, what 
are you working on currently and is are there some things that we can get excited about so matt to okay never mind no go oh, no no you go. asked your question first i'm going to ruin your no go ahead so I'm actually working on quite a few things. Um, right now I have two books on submission with uh, different publishing houses um, in two different genres. One's a young adult um, contemporary drama, um, and another is uh, a middle grade uh, fantasy that's kind of more in line with the Judd books. Uh, the most exciting project I'm working on right now is, uh, I, I discussed before um, kind of getting to know Brandon Sanderson and... We ended up becoming really good friends, um, and he has a, a book series, the Reckoners series, Steelheart, uh, Firefighting Calamity, and um, he was approached a little while ago by Audible. They they saw a lot of success with those books on Audible and wanted him to write oh, cool. um, a spinoff series for it. Wow. But he's got a lot on his plate right now, and he actually asked me to pick it up for him. So I've been... Wow, that's so working cool. On that. It's yeah. been really exciting. That is really super exciting. fun. I... The Reckoners, so I, I got to tell you how I got introduced into that one. I was in, um, I just moved to Washington State, and all of our stuff was packed away. And I, I'm a pretty new Brandon Sanderson fan at this point. This is uh, like 2011, 2012, and no, 2013, sorry. But I go into um, the store on base and there's a sign that says Brandon Sanderson book signing tomorrow. Oh, cool. And I was like, what, what Washington? <laughs> That's crazy. What military base? I was really confused and shocked. And so the next day I had to show up, but then I, I showed up there and I'm like, I don't have anything for him to sign except my face. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so he was promoting Steelheart at the time. So yeah. Then yeah. I, I bought a book. I bought, a couple hard uh, hardcover books, and he signed them for me. I was super starstruck, and I, I yeah, I kind of mumbled through some questions and felt pretty dumb. But <laughs> I got I got introduced to Steelheart that way. Awesome, and I enjoyed it. So I am ex that's exciting that you yeah. get to. Uh, so it's a it's, it's complete a, that it's really or... exciting situation. He's he's been. He's been fairly hands off, which has been both good and bad. You know, I, yeah. I wish I had a little bit more direction, um, but he's. But it's also been nice to have full autonomy. He just kind of said, "Take it where take it where you want." But right now, we have um, this spinoff uh, series of a different team um, of Reckoners in, in set in that Steelheart world. But yet, we decided um, just a few weeks ago that we wanted to consolidate these books when we go to print and kind of change them a little bit to actually be book four and start a new series or like continue the series so you know four five and six and stuff cool so it'll it'll hopefully kind of mesh together these um these two different reckoners teams and um it's it's pretty exciting they want they, they have a, they have kind of a demanding schedule for the these three novellas um they're going to be shorter books for audible but once um, once we can go to print, Audible is going to hold the rights on him for for two years, and then we get to go to his his press, Delcourt, and and we'll go we'll go um, go to print with him. Um, once we can do that, then um, that's when it'll be released as book four. And so oh, cool! Wow, that's exciting. a really interesting project to kind of be like taking over and like moving yeah. in a new direction at the same time. Yeah, it's tricky because because he's like when when he approached me about the project, he said, okay, so. We want this to be 
a series that people don't have to have read any of the Reckoners books before, and they can just pick it up fresh. But we also want it to be satisfying to everybody who's read it before. And also we want, want them to be three independent books that are following a new team. And also we want it to be a sequel. So it's so wow. like... And <laughs> grand magical powers. I know, I know. Read I know. <laughs> so it was super intimidating when, when you know, I, I, I kept telling myself, okay, I can do that. I can do that. And then it got kind of a little bit more involved and more involved. And trying to simultaneously make it a sequel as well as a spinoff has been, has been a little bit challenging. But... So far, it's going really well. I'm done with the first, almost done with the first in, in the kind of spinoff trilogy. Wow, that's so um, cool. Well, we, I, I look forward to it. I was going to say before the reason why there was that awkward segue <laughs> is because Matt is not quite. He's not been introduced to uh, Brandon Sanderson oh, okay. kind of writing and stuff, and so, um, quite a few people have mentioned it to him to his face. So I hope. I know. I've only <laughs> heard about him in like maybe the last. Probably last year, because actually our last guest, Nathan, was the first person who like was really like Sanderson, Sanderson, Sanderson. Yeah. And because we're in, he's one of the people in my writing group, and I was like, eventually I should like really check him out. And then we started doing this, and it's just like I'm actually taking his class next semester, his lecture. So. Oh, really? oh, good, yeah. good, good. That's oh man, some of the some of the best content you'll find in regard to like um, writing habits and stuff is is in his lecture series. In fact, he's got a podcast called Writing Excuses. Yeah, that's Nathan talks about all the yeah. time. Which is which is perfect for people starting out in writing mm-hmm. because it's short little chunks that they can kind of digest throughout the day. And that's what I did for actually the first little like when when I was taking his class, he talked a lot about his podcast Writing Excuses, and so I was like, okay, I'm gonna give this a shot. And so every morning I would listen to one of those ten minute uh, podcasts and yeah. kind of think about it on, on throughout the day. And it was it was nice because it wasn't overwhelming. It was yeah. just little bits of information that you could kind of say, okay, I can take this, implement it in my writing, and I don't feel like I'm having to completely overhaul my whole story. Yeah, cool. I think just one last question, just kind of to tie that in. I don't know where we're at of time. I guess we could go longer if we needed to. But well, I'm gonna I want to mark this real quick, so I know where we're at. Sounds good. But I was just gonna ask, what's your perspective? Just because we've talked a lot about you know, your experience with learning from Brandon Sanderson, as well as um, in our discussion before, talked a little bit about writing groups, but also now we've talked about your project with um, kind of collaborating on a work and on stories. And so I was just curious about your perspective of your experience as a professional writer, working with other writers and kind of that culture. Because I think that people kind of starting out too often approach writing as a very individual thing where it's like, I just need to hide in like my little like writing cave and do this on my own and I should never share anything until it's like ready to go to a publisher and what's kind of your perspective on that sure um okay <clears throat> so a couple different things that might sound like they're at odds with one another first of all I I think um as far as collaborative project projects go um it's it's super dangerous for people to start out on collaborative projects I would suggest don't do it um ever like for yeah. a long, long time until until you're really, really comfortable with writing. Uh, Cloudware projects, uh, Brandon used to say, they are um, twice the work for half the pay, and mm-hmm. it really it, in in a situation where you're starting out, that's really how it is. That's why probably why Brandon's been so hands off with the Regner's project for me. He's he's made maybe two suggestions, and that's about it. Mm-hmm. Everything else has been my own because. You start involving two people with two perspectives and two um, kind of uh, objectives, and it's it's going to really be a, a challenge that doesn't need to be there yet. Now, um, that ha- having said that, 
writing, sure, it's a really individual thing, but anybody looking to take writing to the next level has to absolutely, without question, have a writing group. That's that's just required. You have to have, um, you know, two to four times a month, somebody look at your writing and tell you what's wrong with it. And your mom's not invited. <laughs> your mom is not okay. I've said this. I've said this before. My when I when I when I wrote my first book, it was a big pile of garbage, and and my mom was like, "I love it. This is so great. It's so wonderful." Yeah. And then my brother, who's super into like you know hardcore real literature and stuff, he looked at it and he's like, "Okay, we need to sit down and have a chat." He gave me like his real honest opinion. Um, his name was Tim, and so. It was really discouraging, but at the same time, I absolutely needed it. And so mm. I tell people, everybody need, needs a mom and a Tim. They need, uh, yeah. they need somebody that's encouraging them <laughs> and somebody that's eviscerating them. Yeah, you need to be shredded. You do. Yeah. And and writing groups, there's there's very particular way. That's a whole different podcast. It's a whole different uh, discussion topic. There's right ways of doing writing groups, and there's wrong ways of doing writing groups. But I, I am... A firm believer that the only way to take your writing to the next level is to have a consistent writing group where you're meeting with people and every week you have three or four people who are looking at your work and saying their reactions to it and saying what worked for them, what didn't work for them. Nice. I guarantee it's not going to coincide with what you think. Yeah. That's great. Awesome. Cool. So I think, yeah, this has been this has been great and great that we can get it on, um, on our podcast. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's amazing. So cool. Well, thank you again for letting us come over and record, and uh, yeah, and we'll I'll let you know when it get gets up. Awesome. So that wraps up episode three, and that was that was absolutely amazing. Uh, We are so grateful for Stephen for being with us, Um, and there was a lot to to digest in there. But I think one of the few takeaways is that wait for it. I was shocked at, at the amount that you had to write in order to practice your craft well enough and be good enough to where people would take notice. You know, 11 books and then he got published. That is a lot. Yeah, no, it was amazing, especially just to hear from that side that it's not just some like quick thing where you sit down, and you write a book and then yeah, you're you have good. to work. Yeah, tons work. of work. And I think we've been asking everyone that we've interviewed what got you serious about writing. And I think seeing it from a published author, the serious level is like, it's up. Like he just yeah. cranked it up so much more yeah. for all of us like would-be writers yeah. who are starting so, out. I'm sorry, everyone, you're going to have to throw away your first novel. Yeah. Or revisit it 10 years later. I don't know. Exactly. And I also thought it was really cool how he talked about not writing beyond like your exposure, kind of writing what you know, not trying to do too much and grounding your reader in reality. Yes. Like, even if it's a fantastic world that you're making and it's full of these different magical elements, make it real. Your reader yeah, needs something they can to connect something. to. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's so important to, like, hear from someone who has a little bit more experience in how to do that and that you can see it in his work really well. So I think a challenge for, for authors right now listening is, um, I guess, come up with your 11 novels that you're going to write. Yeah. <laughs> at least at least write a, a list and then... Um, See how you can take normal elements that people are familiar with and add something neat. Yeah. Start out with that every day, just that word count you talked about to get up to those novels. You have to write, 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 and make sure that you're, like, writing things people can connect with and that you know about. Don't try to do too much. Yeah. But just get it out there. Cool. 